If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. My name is Nicole Van Tassel. And I'm Erin Sadler. And we are two science teachers dedicated to helping you cut through the confusion and meet the intent of the NGSS so you can master all three dimensions. The NGSS can seem totally overwhelming, but implementing these standards doesn't need to be. Hi everyone, Nicole and I are here today to answer another listener question. This one was submitted by Kristen, who works at a private American school in North Africa. She's trying to help them make the shift to NGSS, and she submitted two questions that we're going to address today. She says, I have done incredible amounts of research to be able to filter through all of the science curriculum out there. What I'm finding is that hardly any of the science curriculum aligns with NGSS. And if it does, the current platforms are confusing and inadequate for the new reality of distance learning and require technology not available to all classrooms. So first, are you allowed to recommend a curriculum for biology in middle school science in particular? She also says that NGSS curriculum in biology is a far cry from the courses that she took in high school and college. She says that while I love the critical thinking and the student-driven process, do you ever have concern that students are not equipped with the baseline facts that they need in order to enter college biology or other science fields? That's a really good question. And I think it's one that we've gotten a lot before and it is what I've seen as like an objection to a lot of the shifts that go along with the NGSS and go along with this style of three-dimensional learning and exploration and discovery-based learning um, and just these shifts in general. Whether you're using NGSS or not, I think this is one of the objections I hear a lot to just this more constructivist approach to learning and teaching. Yeah, and I think that um, this is primarily a concern that high school teachers have. I hear it most often from high school teachers, um, some middle school teachers, but um, I think we don't hear it as often from elementary school teachers because they enjoy the fact that it's much more developmentally appropriate and all of that, yes. but high school yeah. teachers are kind of um, missing some some of their curriculum and they're a little sad about it. Yeah. Yes, because it is a big shift for them, for shift. sure. So do you want me to start on yeah, this or do you? Yeah. Okay, so I think I think the first thing that we need to kind of come back to is understanding the purpose of um, the, the NGSS and really the, the framework for K through 12 education, science education that like the NGSS were based on. And that goal was to create a, like a baseline of science literacy and understanding for all students who are graduating. And with that in mind, the goal was not to continue this approach where we're just teaching isolated facts and figures 
and, and content and instead help students have this much bigger picture understanding of science because when the writers of the framework were looking at all of their education research and all of that, they realized that experts in any field have very strong like schemas or like understanding or frameworks to understand their discipline. So they have a really strong, you know, big idea understanding. And then when they need to, they go into more specific topics and they get all the details of, of that area, you know, when it's relevant to what they're doing, when it's relevant to what they're learning, when it's relevant to what they're studying, that's when they go in and they learn all of the little minutia and facts and all of that. And then when they come across a new fact or a new piece of information, they have this big framework to integrate it into. When we teach our students these big ideas in, you know, our K through 12 programs, we're helping create that framework so that when they go out into college and then when they go into life and as they're constantly learning and new information is presented to them, they can take that information and then they can integrate it into these big, you know, science truths or science understandings of how the natural world works. In the past, what we've done is we've taught them all of these little trivia bits and pieces. And I, I mean, if I think back to like my K through 12 science education, I remember bits and pieces, like random funny trivia pieces. And the reality is some of those bits and pieces of trivia conflict and they conflict with what you see happening in the natural world. The, they might conflict with each other and students don't know why. Sometimes I don't know why. <laughs> and it doesn't help them understand anything that they're seeing or what they're seeing happening. Whereas, you know, when, again, we have those bigger understandings, we can come into contact with new information and integrate it into our understanding, help us, help us understand it better, help us revise, you know, whatever it is. Um, so that's really the purpose of, of an NGSS curriculum or, or science teaching is just to create those big ideas, those big frameworks. And with that in mind, it, it means that we have to set some of those little bits and pieces and facts aside basically due to time. And I'll kind of let you take over on the time you yeah. know, factor here. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think also like just me personally, I, um, we used to have to teach plant structures in middle school and every single time before I taught it, I had to go back and like, look at what the names of the plant structures were because like, you know, I definitely know like how all the pieces work together and what they do, but I don't, you know, this isn't something that applies to my real life. So I don't right. remember what, which piece is which and all of that. So, but if you needed to go like grow a plant, you would know I need to water the dirt because it's not, I'm not like I, my daughter was watering, I asked her to help me water the plants the other day and she's watering the leaves because <laughs> she doesn't understand. I'm like, no, we need to put the water in the, the soil so that, you know, that's how the water comes. But, but our students, you know, little kids and they might not realize that. It doesn't matter if she knows the word for roots, but if she at least knows like that's where the nutrients and the water and everything is going into the plant, that's the important part, right. you know? She can go look up the word for roots later on. <laughs> right, and I could do like, you know, cross-pollinating in my garden, but you know, I don't remember what those things are called. Yeah, you, but you know like the processes and how it all works and that's the important part, yeah. Right, exactly, yeah. And then I also think that one of the things that we really need to work, look at is um, that, the NGSS is really centered around making sure that all students have a well-rounded science background. Um, because when we look at like our, our minimum high school requirements, a lot of times students aren't taking 
um, the classes that they need in order to like really get a big picture understanding of science in general. Like I know, for example, I have not taken a physics course since eighth grade because I didn't have to, to graduate. Um, we had a poor physics program at my high school and we had a really robust um, life science program with, you know, AP bio and a strong anatomy and physiology program. So I just didn't take it. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I think that the writers of the framework really wanted to make sure that that wasn't happening where there were these big holes in people's education because, you know, you were selecting classes that you wanted to take rather than building like a well-rounded foundation. Yes. Yeah. So considering that, you know, you only have a short limited amount of time with students and we don't just want the content and the big ideas. We also want, and this is that 3D component, those skills and the, the science practices, but even just like the critical thinking, the, the, the figuring it out, which obviously are embedded in the science practices. So I don't want to mean to separate them, but for people who are like, well, my students aren't going to become scientists. It's still critical thinking skills that they need. It's helping their brains grow to apply to whatever future they, they choose to pursue. Um, considering that we need to devote time to giving them that opportunity to explore and discover and grow their brains and figure it out and use science skills. There's just not enough time in the day or in, in the four years of high school to, or two years of high school science to cover all of those, like the minutia of facts and figures and all of that. Right, right. And um, it's really sad, but in California, there is only a two-year science requirement. So most high schools do three, um, you know, just within, you know, because they want to, but it's yeah. only a two-year requirement. So making sure that students are getting those, like, basic pieces right away is really important. Yes. And with that in mind, if a student is inclined to, to they want to pursue science and they're planning on taking biology in college or they're even planning to attend college, there's a likelihood that they are going to choose to take, you know, potentially take science electives or honors courses or maybe AP courses in the, you know, that field because they're like, I want a career in this discipline. And I'm not saying they're going to for sure, but if they know that that's the track that they want to go on. There's no reason that they can't get that more specific content in an elective or in an honors course. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just making sure that all students have access to, you know, to a base knowledge of, you know, science education. And then what you do from there is fantastic. It's just like icing on the cake. Yes, absolutely. And like along with the, and obviously our listener valued the style of the NGSS, not the memorizing facts, the student-driven critical thinking, all of that. So this is probably preaching to the choir, you know, for her and everything here. But um, when you do that in your science classes at that base level, you know, in those base level science classes, you're way more likely to spark interest in a career in science that would lead them to take an additional science course or an additional, you know, elective or so on and so forth. So you're really setting the stage for them to potentially um, pursue additional science learning when you're, when you're doing that 3D instruction the right way. Yeah, absolutely. And also I think, um, I think that the physics and chemistry teachers are the ones that kind of have um, the hardest time with this because there aren't set chemistry standards and set physics mm -hmm. standards that it's just, you know, lumped together as physical science standards. And so 
if you're teaching a full chemistry course, that will leave a lot of room for you to bring in other stuff. You're kind of going to like run out of things to cover if you're teaching a full chemistry course and a full physics course. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then there also, if you look really closely at the standards, there's a lot of like subcomponents that are related that you can bring in as well. Yeah. I see. The, and that, this is kind of veering into another topic here, but that is w- the chemistry, I, I agree. I've heard a lot of struggles from like the chemistry and the physics, maybe even less physics, really the chemistry, chemistry. teachers, because there is so much, you know, the, I don't, I don't, honestly, chemistry is not really my area of expertise. So I don't really remember any of this stuff. I took chemistry in high school and college, high school. It was pretty awful. College, my teacher was nice, but I don't really remember anything about it. Um, <laughs> so... A lot of it, though, is probably not covered. I mean, from what I've heard, is not in the stand. Like, a, a lot of what is typically in a chemistry course is not in the standards. So that's where a lot of them get tripped up. Um, but I feel like that might also be an argument toward moving toward a more phenomenon-based, integrated approach to those standards rather than isolating chemistry into its own course. Yeah. Because then you can, and, and that another struggle I've heard with chemistry teachers is finding phenomena or choosing phenomena, which should not be the case because chemistry is literally like the building blocks of everything. Right, right. But, but finding that real world application to what is being done can feel like a struggle when you're not tying in like an earth science application of that chemistry or a life science application of that chemistry. Yeah. So... Yeah, I taught um, chemistry for a long time, and that was one of my struggles when we made that shift to the NGSS. I was like, what am I supposed to be teaching? And, uh, you know, a couple of things that we thought about were, like, bringing in, we didn't really have a strong earth science program, so we brought in some of those earth science standards to bundle. Yeah. Um, And then that helped bring in phenomena, like you just said. Yes. And then also, like, really, um, for a college prep chemistry program you know it wasn't like honors chemistry or anything like that we were really getting way too far into the weeds into like you know things that were just not relatable to students and we created a program that was really not applicable and you know so we had to work backwards and start bringing in that phenomena and um and kind of edit and cut some of those things that weren't necessary and basically like my goal was you know, we just had one chemistry program to, if a kid wanted to take AP bio, they had enough background knowledge to like get Mm -hmm. that, you know, biochem when they, when they went in, but also not going too much further than that, you know, not really like going super into like, you know, hybrid orbitals or anything like that. Like they, it's really not necessary. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, like, I don't really remember any of the things that I learned in chemistry. Yeah. No, and it was hard. um, The standards, the way that they're written, really, um, they do a good job of like emphasizing the kinetic molecular theory in, Mm -hmm. you know, like collisions and stuff like that. Those, Mm -hmm. those really big and relatable things. So, yeah, I like it a lot better. So they're like pushing you toward that really applicable phenomenon focus rather than the more, I don't know, abstract maybe math. Yeah, a lot of math. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So much. Anyway, so those are our thoughts on preparing for college. I mean, again, if you build those frameworks, if you build the critical thinking skills, if you build the science practices, your students are going to be prepared for whatever they're encountering in college courses because 
you learn what you need to when it's relevant to you, when you need to learn it. If you have the skills to learn and to figure things out and to draw conclusions and analyze data and, and do all of those things. So if you can prepare your students with those skills to learn, they're going to be prepared for college. They don't need to have all of that background facts and figures, you know, memorized before they get there because they'll learn it once they get there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do we want to address that second question that she had? Oh, sure. Um, about, um, yeah. So recommending. She, yeah. Okay. So Kristen also asked about recommending a curriculum and I don't think that either one of us are comfortable with recommending a, like curriculum that you can purchase. Mm -hmm. Um, I, we've talked about it before that all of them have pros and cons. Like there is no perfect curriculum. Um, and I will argue and I will argue this again and again and again, any out of the box curriculum is not ever going to be perfectly right for your student body. So having the skills to make adaptations to phenomena, to pick something that is more relevant to your students or to um, have adaptations to um, tweak your, your storyline so that it's flowing more with your students' interests and your students' questions. And it doesn't mean starting from scratch. I'm not saying you always have to start from scratch. But ideally, the best curriculum is going to be the one that you've really tailored to your students. And sometimes it's little tweaks, sometimes it's big tweaks, but tweaking for your students. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, definitely. sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, that's totally true. And, you know, like, I think we just recently purchased curriculum and um, it's, it's doing a really good job of framing our conversation so that we're starting at a common place. Um, mm -hmm. But beyond that, we really need to go back and we need to adjust it for our students. So um, we're really happy with what we purchased, but it needs work and everything will. So yes. just the way it is. Um, but like, but with that in mind, we do want to make sure you're aware of some of the like free curriculum resources that are out there that have been developed specifically for the NGSS. That's like a really important thing that you want to look for when you're choosing any sort of curriculum or any sort of resource. If it is a resource that was made like prior to the NGSS and it's just been adapted, a, long, a lot of times it's not adapted enough. It's not, you know, changed enough where a lot, you know, the, the resources that we're going to kind of mention were literally designed with this three-dimensional teaching and learning, with this discovery and figuring it out um, in mind and the storyline approach in mind. So they are going to just meet those expectations and help you meet those expectations way better than, you know, buying a curriculum that was designed for different state standards and that has just been adjusted for the NGSS because, again, requires a lot of adjustments. Um, but anyway, some of the ones for middle school level, well, actually, well, I guess, um, well, middle school level, Open Sci-Ed is one uh, curriculum, like, resource organization that has been working to create middle school resources, and they are just starting uh, to create some high school storylines as well. Uh, but those are not, have not been released yet. They are just starting that process. But they have uh, several NGSS-aligned units that have received the, like, Achieve badge or Equip badge um, from Achieve or its new West Ed organization or whatever the deal is with that. Uh, so that's, like, a good resource to check out, um, Open Syed. So that's middle school. Uh, for middle and high school, next Gen storylines. Actually, that's elementary too, I think, right? They have a few storylines mm -hmm. for elementary. Mm -hmm. They have some storylines that are 
um, NGSS line that you can go check out. Uh, what are a couple of the other ones, Erin? Um, so like looking at the California framework, the California framework has basically like written out a storyline. It's not individual lessons, but it's got a really good um, like foundational, you know, explanation of how they want the storyline to flow. Okay. Um, and then um, also I would say look at, there's a bunch of rubrics available to help you evaluate curriculum. Mm-hmm. So like the equip rubric um, and then the California time rubric, if you have a lot of time to evaluate your curriculum, that's a really great resource because it goes into a ton of depth to help you see if the curriculum is right for you and your um, staff and your students. Okay. And I did see, I was looking at that one the other day. There's like a short version of it too. So yeah. if you don't want to go into like the full depth, you can use like the pre-screen tool as well. Yeah. Um, a couple other uh, Illinois Storylines Working Group has a biology curriculum that includes like lessons, storylines, all of that. And I believe they might be working on physical science one. I heard that was maybe in the works. Uh, and then Stanford Integrated Curriculum or Stanford NGSS Aligned Integrated Curriculum. That's another one that has some resources. That's the scale curriculum, right? Scale, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, that's another resource. So off the top of my head, those are the ones that I always throw out there um, for ideas for, for storylines, for examples, um, just places to kind of get started. Again, I, I firmly believe you have to choose phenomena that's going to connect to your students. Yeah. So it might be going into, you know, one of those, finding a storyline, and then you might have to make some changes to the phenomena, or you might need to... Um, I don't know, just make some adaptations so it connects better to your students because you might find my students think this one is really boring. But if you make changes to the phenomena, they might find it really interesting and you can still build on a lot of the activities that were included. So it's not like starting from scratch, but, or you might find that your students love the phenomena that was chosen and that's totally possible too. Definitely. And also I just like a side note, also um, that a lot of the curricula that are available, they make the assumption that your students have had NGSS science. So it kind of pulls, it starts them at grade level. So oh. that's another adjustment that you really need to make is like kind of building in that scaffolding to get them ready if they haven't had NGSS science before. That's true. Figuring out what kind of prior knowledge they might really need. And it, that's like a thing you can totally get lost in the weeds of like, I need to reteach them everything. Um, don't do that. Just pick out the most important basic knowledge that they needed to know. <laughs> well, and like just focusing on like the previous grade level band for the science and engineering practices, I think is a pretty good place to start. Um, yeah. If you're in high school, then also maybe looking at the previous grade band for the, um, for the cross-cutting concepts, but I wouldn't get into like the DCI so much because I don't think that they need it really. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the only, yeah. Every once in a while you might need to review something like, we need to review density before we get into yeah. structure versus interior. But for the most part, just yeah. just do what do whatever basic stuff they need to know to get where you need to. You, you can't reteach all twelve years of no. K through twelve education. Nope. Nope. <laughs> anyway, well, I hope we answered your question, Kristen. I know it's really hard choosing curriculum. I know it's hard just making these decisions about what should we be teaching. Um, the beautiful thing about the NGSS is that it is really open-ended and so that we can be really responsive to our students' interests and um, what's what's relevant to them and what's going to like benefit them and prepare them for 
and just like, I guess, reflect their experiences, their community, you know, a community in the Midwest is going to be different than one that lives on the Gulf Coast in terms of, you know, what they see outside and what they um, just find relevant, even future careers potentially. Um, so it's beautiful in that we can be responsive to that and, and reflect our students, but it can also be really overwhelming because it leaves a lot of decision making. Ideally, really, you, you'd hope it would happen at like school and district levels, like team wise, but a lot of times it really just falls on teachers because nobody is making those decisions. Um, but yeah, you guys can do it. We believe in you. <laughs> and it's, it's worth it when you're feeling frustrated. It's totally worth it. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Teaching Science in 3D. If you have any questions that we can answer, Aaron's going to tell you how to, to submit them. <laughs> yeah. So you just go to teachingsciencein3d.com slash questions. Um, you can also submit them through our Facebook page, which is Teaching Science in 3D on Facebook or Teaching Science in underscore, sorry, teaching science underscore in 3D um, on Instagram. Perfect. Thanks so much for tuning in today, guys. Bye. And gals. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner.